0: Hello, Marlins fans, and welcome to a final playoff chase episode of Swings and Mishes. I'm your producer, Jeremy Taché, joined as always by Craig Mish, who must be feeling good on this Friday morning after that big win in Atlanta last night for the Marlins. Huh, Craig?
1: Yeah, Jeremy, and a little bit, I think, on the Marlins side has to be a little bit of relief. I think, you know, you're you're going through somewhat of a tough time. And, and there's a lot of adjectives that you could use after losing four games in a row, but relief, I think, is the one at least uh, that that carries into until Friday night's game begins. Because uh, had they lost that game, and, and I and I do think that that could have happened, then you you would have basically you know, sort of losing control of your own destiny there, and 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 counting on other things to happen, and and usually those don't when you're counting on that, and specifically in terms. of Of Philadelphia, who is, you know, honestly given away their their postseason spot if they don't make it. Remember, they have uh, Wheeler and Nola Saturday and Sunday against Tampa Bay, a team that I don't think is playing for very much. So you you don't want to leave it to that because those two pitchers are excellent and the Phillies are still very talented but certainly the Marlins have proven that they are the better team. They beat them head-to-head. They are much more deserving at this point of the postseason spot, but they're still going to have to earn it this
0: weekend. Yeah, and as you mentioned, there's a couple different scenarios that get the Marlins in. First of all, it's as simple as the magic number is two with the Phillies. They win one game, the Phillies lose one game. That could happen tonight, and the Marlins could get in. Another scenario that could get the Marlins in is a win today, Two San Francisco losses in their doubleheader and a loss from Milwaukee as well, that would guarantee the Marlins at least a wild card spot. So the Marlins have an opportunity to clinch tonight, and in large part because of last night's win, as you mentioned, which the ups and downs of that game five shutout innings from Pablo Lopez, a key two out base hit from Chad Wallach to be the hero and get the first RBI, a couple more ribbies from John Birdie, a homer from Aguiar, and a six out save from Brandon Kinsler who came into that game with the bases loaded, no outs in the eighth, struck out Adam Duvall, laughed at himself, striking out Adam Duvall, and ultimately gets the six-out save. A huge win for the Marlins. What were your thoughts as last night was going on in all those ups and downs? Yeah,
1: I think I mentioned it on Twitter, and there were a lot of heroes from that game yesterday. Uh, Pablo Lopez going five shutout innings, no doubt. You mentioned Kinsler closing out the game for sure and Aguilar's homer was a little bit extra from what they had already gotten, and Birdie had a great game. But you can't diminish what Chad Wallach did. I I think Mm -hmm. that it was starting to get to the point of not frustration, but the pressing level of what the Marlins' bats were going through. They had the leadoff batter on base at least three or four times in that game without scoring, and it was about to happen again. And with two outs, Wallach is the guy to come through. And and look, I I don't know if I have been hard on him here on this podcast. I'm not really sure. But look, the numbers speak for themselves with Chad. The last few years, mm-hmm. he's just uh, you know he's a very good defensive catcher who's been up and down and in and out. It sounds like a Sinatra song, but he <laughs> he bas he basically you know I mean he's a backup catcher and and really hasn't had a had a big moment like that. And I was certainly uh, happy to see that because, again, the fan base, I'm sure, and rightly so, has has given him a hard time. He really hasn't hit for a couple years. And his dad, Tim Wallach, who I saw in spring training, who likes (laughs) to give me crap, by the way, uh, I'm a big fan of Tim. I I think that he was one of the more underrated players in my era of watching baseball. It's just he was kind of stuck in Montreal there for a while, but I, I was so happy for him to see that yesterday because I do like Tim very much and and I and I'm just happy that no matter what happens, Jeremy to Chad Wallach the rest of his career, he's always gonna have that moment yesterday. And and for me, that's what baseball's about. Those nice stories. Yeah, I mean it would have been great if Brian Anderson got the big hit or Miguel Rojas got the big hit. But you know what? They're gonna have a lot of big hits over the course of their career. That may be Chad Wallach's best and only big hit. We hope it's not for him, but if it is, he always has it. So I want to make sure that I mention that because, to me, if Wallach doesn't get a hit in that spot, I don't think they win. I think the pressing level goes even harder. Anderson got shook up a little bit at that point, Ian Anderson, and then they made the pitching change. Who knows? That game could be nothing-nothing in the ninth inning, and then all the Braves need to do is walk it off with, a, with one mm-hmm. run. And, by the way, the Braves' bats at the end of the game, they want to get out of there, man. Like, Ozuna was <laughs> just like swinging it, at everything. It, it just looked like by the time they got to the ninth, I mean, Freeman was fighting, that's true, but even Acuna, the, the at-bats for me didn't look so great in the ninth. That doesn't take anything away from from what the Marlins accomplished, but look at Atlanta from their point of view. We won the first game. We won the second mm-hmm. game. We won the third game. It's like, okay, we're down 4 nothing, and um, it's a really good team. Atlanta's a really good team, but look, give the Marlins the credit. They had to have the win. They got it. Now they control their own destiny and they don't have to really worry about anybody else except for taking care of their own business.
0: And the irony of Wallach being there in that scenario, we talk about the unlikely heroes all year long. The very first unlikely hero of the Marlins this season, if you can remember back, ironically, was Francisco Cervelli, who filled in for Jorge Alfaro from the beginning of the season, and Cervelli, the backup catcher, who if he's healthy right now and doesn't have his concussion issues, he's probably the one up in that scenario as the defensive backup catcher catching Pablo Lopez. So the way this season has gone, where every single person on this team has contributed in some sort of way, to see Chad Wallach, who was really the third option behind the dish, come through in that moment was pretty storybook, as you mentioned. And Yeah, and this series, you know, overall, obviously, we, we take away the win. Everybody feels good coming out of the series because of that win. But a few previous games were not exactly so great. And, and, and there's some stuff to sort of look backwards here on on those three losses and sort of take note of. So, Craig, what did you notice in that Atlanta series that sort of had you thinking as we head into New York?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking that Atlanta is much better than the Marlins, and and the notion that Miami is like rooting to play the Braves at any point is it's just silly. Yeah, in the postseason, yeah. and and look, they they when if Miami if and when Miami gets in and they play against the Cubs or the Padres or whoever else, and we don't see them as often as we see the Braves, it is very apparent that while the Marlins are coming up, the Braves are there, and and that's just and. and that's just the truth. I mean, Don Mattingly, the manager, said pretty much that after the game. He feels like that, that some respect has certainly been earned by the Marlins playing the Braves mm-hmm. tough, but it's just a, a better team there. So for me, going into Thursday it, and, and really going into the postseason, it, it's a little bit, I don't know if the word is troubling, but I'm a little bit concerned to not know what to expect from a Sixto Sanchez start, who I mm-hmm. think that most were counting on being ace pitcher, game one, whatever series they play against. I don't think that you can think that right now. He certainly could completely change everything between now and next week, and I would expect him to be one of the top three starters the Marlins use next week. But to to now say that you can guarantee he's going to throw seven shutout innings and strike out ten would be foolish because Mm – There weren't really many adjustments made by him from the Washington start to the Atlanta start. And even if he is somewhere in between where he has been and where he is now, the Marlins will take it. But for me at this point, I think that barring anything unforeseen, what you'd want to see if the Marlins make the postseason is Sandy pitch game one and Pablo pitch game two. And then Sixto pitch Game Three because I, I don't think that you want to be in a scenario not knowing and then having to blow out your bullpen because because you because Sixto is not going to even last to the third inning if that's what you're going to see in the first inning or the second right. inning in the postseason he's going to be gone they're going to have to use everybody uh, it's as as Mattingly said it's all hands on deck now I mean you can you you've seen the postseason play out before you've seen Madison Bumgarner pitch six innings and Charlie Morton pitch right. six innings out of the bullpen you you don't wait. For that it, it doesn't happen mm-hmm. like that so for me that's the way that I would I would set it up and then if you you, you have extra scenarios you have Rodgers and and certainly Sunday's scenario is not one that I really want to discuss here because I'll get aggravated thinking that the Marlins will need a win and Arana will be on the mound Sunday to win that but I'm going to hope that it won't come to that because oh. that's that's a very big decision that the Marlins are going to have to make going into that game on Sunday if they indeed need it
0: yeah my uh, my uh, blood pressure just went up just thinking about it and and, and you mentioned that Yankee series and, and they head into the Yankees again magic number is two three game series here in New York the Yankees do still theoretically have something to play for in terms of seating and and, and things like that so this is a good team that's been playing good ball the Marlins head in with Sandy on the mound tonight. He made some some comments yesterday. He wants to be aggressive. He looks aggressive. He's talking about being aggressive. What do you make of those comments, and what are your thoughts as the Marlins do head into the Yankees series?
1: Yeah, it's going to get glossed over a little bit now because the Marlins won, and a little bit of the pressure was taken off. But I thought that that was a watershed moment right there for the organization mm. and and for the players in that clubhouse. And basically for the last couple of weeks and the last couple of months, essentially, we know how tough it's been on the Marlins. They they have overachieved and outperformed anybody's expectations. But we got to call it what it is right now. They were losing a lot with only a few games to go and on the verge of losing control. And mm-hmm. they had a player come out uh, on a media call basically saying, come get me. I mean, that that to me... If if I'm in that clubhouse watching, saying, "Oh, thank goodness, there's there's somebody here that's willing to just put this whole thing on his shoulders and take all the attention off everyone else." That's what you're looking for, and 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 look, I get it. We're going to play day to day, and we're not going to look at tomorrow. And and sure, after you lose the first game, and the second game, and the third game, and the fourth game in a row, I mean, something yeah. at some point, the narrative does have to change a little bit. Like, and I thought Sandy. Uh, changed that yesterday by making that statement. Yep. And and I know, again, now that they've won, maybe it's not going to get looked at as much. But I felt really that at that moment, somebody needed to step up and say, put it on me. And he did. And he's going to win or lose and and basically win with the statement he made or lose with the statement he made. But that's that's a super leadership quality right there to right. be able to take that on and I was it was completely unexpected and even after he said basically they uh, the, the Yankees are going to be in for a fight he was asked another question and doubled down on it again and said yep. that they're going to have to fight me and they're going to have to hit me and, and I just I mean that that to me is the beginning of what future hall of famers are and perennial mm. all-stars are not just the aggressiveness on the mound but to be able to say I'm not afraid of you And look, it's a very young Marlins team and Miguel Rojas, who is the leader of the team and and certainly is the de facto captain and, you know, and and all that good stuff. I mean, he's still a relatively young player. I mean, all things considered, Miguel Rojas is not playing with a $200 million contract and everyone goes, wow, look at that guy on the other end of the room. I mean, they have great leadership. They have leaders there. But, you know, if you talk to players who are in the game and former players, they say... That yes, it's great to have veteran leadership, but also that leader has to be a star. Like you have to look and say, "Man, I want to be that guy," you know. And 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 look, mm-hmm. Miggy's had a great year. He has. It takes nothing away from him. It's just there is a difference uh, in 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 stature with that. And so it was kind of funny, actually, that after he made those comments, I was like, "Wow, that's the kind of thing that uh, that I want to see on TV." tonight you know like I like I that's gonna enter like that's gonna energize this fan base when they see that so I was waiting on the video I didn't post it until early Friday morning just for I have so many jobs you know so I I have a (laughs) lot of things going on but but uh, it was funny during the broadcast during the broadcast I did not see it but what happened was it was actually funny was uh, Paul Severino brought it up and he said I forget exactly how it went, but he but he said that oh um you know sand it was really interesting. I was in the Zoom call today. Paul's in all these uh, all the Zoom calls, yeah. and and said oh Sandy had some interesting comments today, and, and and as he's about to get it out, Todd Hollingsworth pops in and says oh I you know I saw some other comments as well, and then Paul is like oh okay Todd go ahead and 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 and, and give your comments. And I was like, "Oh, what a missed opportunity there!" And then, and then Todd's, and then Todd says, "Oh well, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll do, uh, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll get to it after the break." I'm like, "Man, like yeah. we, we almost got it." So they go to the break, you know, they come back, and, and then, and then, you know, Todd says, "Oh, I promised I was going to give you these great quotes that the Marlins, that the Marlins have had," and I'm like, "Okay, all right, he, yeah. maybe he's going to say." And he said, "Oh, Corey Dickerson the other day says we got to win as a team." And, yeah, I'm, and then I and then I was like, you know, I mean, you know, it's like I, I, oh, we're, we're we're missing it, you know. We're, we're we're I mean, I mean, you you have a pitcher going to play the Yankees in Yankee Stadium saying, "Come after yep. me." <laughs> and Corey Dickerson said, "We're going to win as a team." Congratulations, I've heard that for two months. Yep. And then Paul yep. fortunately was able to you know get get that out there eventually i don't Corral know why back. i don't know why they wouldn't use this video that they have and and certainly they have access to mm-hmm. uh to to all of this stuff i guess that would require some extra work that somebody doesn't want to do over there but mm. uh re- regardless of it uh it was a funny it was a funny exchange i thought yesterday because again uh and, and look i've I've produced, I actually produced the show for 10 years on, on Fox sports, Florida. And certainly I can't pretend mm. to put myself in the position of people who were producing those broadcasts, but I mean, these are big moments, man. Like, <laughs> I mean, you, you gotta, you gotta capture these moments. I mean, there are more people that are going to be watching the Marlins games in the next three days than have watched in the last three years. Yeah. And, absolutely. and, and I, and I feel like, um, I, 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 I feel like you got to capture those moments and, um, yeah I, I don't know. I, I just I, I, I thought that there was a little bit of a missed opportunity there, and I'm not going to sit here and, and detail broadcast because this is a good time to uh, just focus on the baseball at hand. but come on, guys, like let, let, let's let, let's not play uh, Mace's welcome back, welcome back, welcome back 85 times on a broadcast <laughs> and, and, and let's and let's find a way to get Sandy Alcantara saying, "Come get me." Against the Yankees, so the entire Marlins fan base all over the world can get excited about Friday night's game. That's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah, and hopefully we see those comments before tonight's game as he does take the. Oh, out I think I Yankee think you Stadium. I think you
1: I think you will. And you know what? The people who are on the broadcast, I am quite sure, they <laughs> listen to this as well, and and I and I am quite sure that the important decision makers with everything listen to this as well. So, clean it up. Be be better. Be better in your biggest moment of 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 Marlins baseball in years, you know, Mm. like.
0: All right. Enough of that. (laughs) Enough of that. Well, the Marlins are going into their biggest moment in years. As we mentioned, it's been 17 years since the Marlins made the playoffs. Craig, I was in elementary school. When the Marlins last made the playoffs and won their World Series in 2003, it has been that long as we look forward. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. The magic number is still two. There is some winning that needs to be done. But as we look forward and beyond the regular season into the postseason. What are some thoughts that you have on this Marlins team as they could head into their first postseason, as we mentioned, in 17 years?
1: I I keep hearing from everybody uh, in the game and around the game that anything can happen, and then once you're in, you're in. I I do think that there's something to be said for the momentum of going into the weekend, and it would be nice for the Marlins in particular to, let's say, win two out of three games from the Yankees. I think that Mm -hmm. that would be more than acceptable. One out of three, and then you're looking at a week where you only won two games, and it's it's really not kind of the way that you want to go into it. We'll detail a lot of the previews with this coming up next week. It's really, at this yep. point, premature to say who they're going to play and when they're going to play and all of that. But they've accomplished so much this year, and they certainly do have the pitching to dominate if that ends up happening. I can't sit here and say I'm as confident in that after seeing Sixto pitch now back to back times and struggle back to back times. But right. you give them a puncher's chance. In a three first of all, in a three game series with those three pitchers, you gotta give them a puncher's chance. A seven game ser- a seven game series, I mean, do they have a fourth guy? I, I don't know. Like that's that's a whole other story. But I, but wouldn't you you mm-hmm. would take that right now. If I if I told you The Marlins qualify for the postseason and won their first round. Like, that would be absolutely fantastic. Insane. And and, and it's already been a successful year, given what they've gone through. But you're talking about next level kind of stuff. And so I'm just happy that the Thursday night win came in because the pressure Mm -hmm. would have mounted to a point where even with Sandy taking this thing on his shoulders... I I don't know how that offense would have responded. And the other thing Friday night too, which is interesting just from a strategic point of view is, is that you would have to guess that they probably, if Sandy can go the whole game, you may be seeing eight innings tonight. Like you, this, this could be, I mean, it's all, it's already Sandy's biggest start of his career was Pablo's biggest start too. It was Arrhenius before that. But I I w I I don't know that Kinsler can pitch after pitching two innings yesterday and falling. And we don't know what the story is with that, but uh, this this is, tonight is not a game for the bullpen. I don't think. And and again, mm-hmm. uh, 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 Mattingly said it best yesterday in something that was really smart. That, or I'm not as smart as him. And and I and I really <laughs> didn't stop to consider that. which is and it's something that I've said in fantasy baseball too for a long time, a number of years, is that that your your starting pitchers essentially on every major league baseball team. I think we've talked about it here maybe are your best pitchers. No no, mm-hmm. no, relief pitcher, when they're young, aspires to be the sixth inning guy. They aspire to be starting pitchers. They didn't grow up in Little League and high school and college thinking, oh, I can't wait to be the sixth inning guy. They're all starters, yeah. and and they don't develop a third pitch, and so they end up in the bullpen. And so essentially right. what Donnie was saying, I thought the other day, was really accurate. It was like, I got to look and see, like, who am I bringing in? And even if this guy is fresh and hasn't pitched and is healthy, is he better than the option that I have right now on the mound? And that was a really fair point by him that he brought up and and something that I had to think uh, a couple of times about. But I would guess that, that Yumi Garcia could still pitch, and I thought that that was really good mm-hmm. that he brought him in. But again, if Garcia pitches Friday, he probably will not be available Saturday because he used him in that 9-5 to game for whatever reason. I don't know why that happened, but hmm. so... Boxberger was a little bit shaky. Look, you, you understand what we're what we're dealing with here. It's It's all hands on deck. I, I think the other thing too, and, and Donnie was asked about this after the game yesterday and and basically dismissed it. But I think that the reason why Pablo only went five innings in part, that was their game plan, I'm sure, but they do need to have someone else available with length Sunday if it yep. does come down to it they and again exactly. the score was for nothing but if they do plan on starting urania on sunday and it means something i think pablo's got to be in that bullpen ready to pitch four innings you know and and you'll worry mm-hmm. about next week next week so uh, it's just about getting
0: in it's just about getting yeah you gotta in and, do and whatever you figure it the takes. rest out after yeah you gotta Absolutely. you gotta
1: do whatever it takes at this point I, I thought that that should uh, it, it should be the mentality going into last night. Apparently it was. And and now tonight is just, uh, Friday night is just such a monumental game because if the Marlins win, and even if Philadelphia wins, you know all you need is one more win or one Philly loss. Yep. And if Miami doesn't win, then you're going into the weekend and you're like, okay, Philadelphia has two of the best ten pitchers maybe in baseball. And, <laughs> right. and you know at this stage, based on the amount of games that they've blown, Joe Girardi is going gonna, is gonna to now also be all hands on deck and let those guys pitch mm-hmm. as long as they possibly can. Tambay not really playing for anything either. Not that the Yankees are necessarily. We see their starters coming up for the weekend. I believe Dave, uh, Davey Garcia starting Saturday... And Clark Mm -hmm. Schmidt, who's never made a major league start, Jeremy, is starting Sunday for them. So the the opportunity is there. The opportunity is definitely there.
0: Yeah, this team heads into Friday night with, like you mentioned, the the biggest start of their young Aces career in Yankee Stadium. And, and, you know, this is one of those moments, I just got to say, where uh, grateful – Obviously not to have fans if you're a Marlins fan, but man, the difference of if there were fans at Yankee Stadium going in on a Friday night in a moment like this, it's just one of those things you're you're thinking about, you're feeling a little bit today. but Yeah,
1: and, and also there have been some people who have asked me, do you think that the Yankees will lay down this weekend and not play hard? And, and clearly the, from the pitching perspective, they have a little bit in terms of preparing for the postseason, but let's also remember here and not forget that the manager of the Marlins was an all-time Yankee. And the CEO and owner of the Marlins is Derek Jeter. And when he took over, and since then, they have essentially yanked a lot of their top executives over here to South Florida. Mm -hmm. And I cannot imagine that regardless of what the Yankees postseason is, that they are simply gonna say, Oh yeah, we'd love to see these guys come in and kick our you know what. I don't I really don't think that's gonna it's, be the case.
0: It's the last two Yankee captains.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's the opposite. So mm-hmm. don't I don't think for a second that you're just gonna see some paper lineup put out by the now if the games don't mean anything on Sunday and the Marlins get in and then that's it, yeah, Sunday you'll see that. Or Saturday sure. you could even see that. But I, I see the Yankees trying to to knock the Marlins out. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that they would take pleasure in in knocking the Marlins out, <laughs> given the I mean they, half their ex- Marlins executives were Yankees. Yep. So yep. I mean you we'll, don't think we'll that you don't think those guys want to say, hey, oh, okay. So you took you took everyone we got here, you you took Gary Denbo and you took Dan Greenley <laughs> and you took Hottie Rod and you took DJ Svilick and you took everything but the jerseys. Yeah, I yep. think I, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna try and, and beat you guys this weekend. I'd be surprised if that didn't happen. But again, I can't speak to the Yankees have much bigger uh, "quote unquote" fish to fry, no pun intended. But hey. I, I don't I don't see a lay down from them until it doesn't mean anything. And then yeah, I wouldn't expect the Yankees to play any of those guys. If so, Stanton, by the way, too right. Stanton has a chance right.
0: to do some damage this weekend as well. God, <laughs> so this is. The stress levels are just insane. And and, oh, yeah. and all of those storylines. I mean, it's also like the last time the Marlins made the playoffs, they beat the Yankees in the World Series. And here they are looking to get to the playoffs for the first time. What do they have to do? They have to go through the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. So it's all of these these minor storylines. I, I will say, um, and, and I want to mention this before we do wrap up, uh, it, we'd be remiss not to talk about Jose Fernandez today. It's four years to the day that Jose passed. And you know, obviously, he's on on every Marlins fan's mind, every Marlins media member's mind. Um, you know, it's 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 always a strange day when this this comes around this time of year. We have, and I would really recommend if you guys, um, you know, if you guys want to go listen to actually two of the the first podcasts we ever did here on Swings and Mishes. I think it's our sixth and seventh episode. We had sit downs with Scott Boris and Tom Kohler, um, and that was on the two year anniversary of Jose having passed away and. Those are some really emotional stories those guys told. Um, They shared some really wonderful insight of what that day was like, what, what their relationships with Jose were like. So I would really recommend... Um, listening to those. Craig, is there anything you'd like to mention? I know this has been a, a jovial podcast, and so it's a little weird to bring it down here a bit toward the end, but is there anything you'd like to mention about Jose uh, today on four years since he passed?
1: Yeah, the the, the the one thing is that normally on this day and in years past, I always, when the Marlins are playing or they're going to play the next day, I like to stop by the plaque that's outside of Marlins Park, and that's mm. become tougher to do. And, of course, they ended their season last week so uh, i'm not gonna have a chance to do that this year i always like to visit with that plaque uh just to kind of remember that and we did certainly cover this extensively a couple of years ago and so it is you know it's it it is a very very strange moment in time for a lot of people and unfortunately you know, jose's family in particular i think to this day not doing fantastic so uh, a tragedy of of epic proportions all across the board to me, when it happened, and, and we touched on this, uh, you know, a lot. Martín Prado, when we had him on, I, I think, uh, you know, said that he believed that regardless of what happened on that fateful night, that the Marlins would have broke things up and traded the players and started over, regardless to win. And I trust Martín so much, so it, it's hard for me to look back now and say what I had been saying, which is that had Jose still been alive, that they wouldn't have broken up the team and things would have been different. But Martine is such a influential veteran and someone who is one of the classiest players maybe that I've ever come across in the game that it, just sure. simp- it simply looks like one thing had nothing to do with the other on the baseball side. I'll have to take his word for that. There's some people who thought the previous owner, Jeffrey Luria, decided to do all of this as a result of that. It could have been the icing on the cake, so to speak, as to why he wanted to get out. But we'll never really know that for sure. Jeffrey has not been public at all since he has left. And, and and yeah, I, I think it's important to remember that, certainly. And when Sixto was going real good, it kind of reminded me of mm-hmm. when Jose came up and he was going real good, too. And, and the kind of pitcher that Jose became, maybe Sixto can become that guy. But I would invite you to go back and listen to our podcast previously, because I think that they do still hold up two years later on Mm -hmm. those days and I thought Scott Boris did a great interview with us and so did Tom Kohler so for those of you today who are remembering Jose Fernandez check out our previous episodes of Swings and Mishes
0: yeah and as as they head into the Yankees series this weekend again you know Marlins with a chance to possibly clinch and and uh, you know what one of the guys who was on that team there's not a lot left with the Marlins but one of them Giancarlo Stanton out in New York maybe he has a, a bit of a cathartic moment here getting to play the Marlins on a day like today so As they do head into the weekend, I know we sort of brought it down a little bit, but to bring it right back up, they have a chance to make the playoffs this weekend. Don Mattingly, possible manager of the year in the National League. The Marlins, a a miracle of a story. Craig, any last notes as we wrap this up before the Marlins take on the Yankees tonight?
1: Yeah, I think I can confidently say if the Marlins win tonight, they're going to make the postseason, and if they don't, Mm -hmm and the Phillies win, I think you can turn this thing all the way around the other way and not be sure. So that's mm. how big this game is tonight, and I certainly look forward to it. I know that a lot of people in South Florida are very excited for the Heat playing as well against the Boston Celtics, as they should be. And so there's a lot of great things happening for, for us here in South Florida, which is not something that you could say over the last 20 yeah. years. we got all of the teams playing you know, particularly well. Except like for the Dolphins
0: won last night.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess the only team that really hasn't made any noise is the Panthers, but uh, they'll tell me next year that they're going to be great again and not be. So that's pretty much the, been the story with them the last two decades. But regardless of that, I, I think that it's, it's a fun time for sports. It's a fun time to enjoy everything, and uh, also it's a fun time to – watch my favorite team play Saturday not yours the Florida Gators are back on Saturday excited for that as well so i'll leave you with that have a great weekend everybody enjoy oh, the games man. <laughs> enjoy the games <laughs> and and we'll have an announcement of 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 not epic proportions everyone likes to make these epic announcements that's not it's not me it's not what we do but we yeah. are going to have special programming if the Marlins qualify, and we'll tell you all about that coming up this weekend.
0: I'm going to let Craig have that last word. Have a great day, everybody.